0: We've been set free from being lost because we are a chosen people. We've been set free from restricted access into God's presence through the Old Covenant because we are a royal priesthood. We've been set free from sin and death because we are a holy nation. And we've been set free from loneliness and isolation because we are a people belonging to God what should we do with this freedom? What should our lives look like as people who are free? Does this mean that we should be free from all responsibilities? Free to demand our rights? Free to do just what we want? Well, last time we started to see that this was not the case. Instead, we've been set free to worship God, to war against sin, and to witness to this world. But in this next section, Peter taught us that we should be free to submit. And that's what we're going to look at this morning in this passage, 1 Peter chapter 2. And we're going to read from verse 13 down to verse 17. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 to 17. Submit yourselves, for the Lord's sake, to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men. But do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honour the King. Peter's original readers were not free as we would understand freedom. They didn't live in a democratic country. So they had no say in the running of their society really. Their lives were in many ways controlled by the brutal Roman Empire. And as we'll see next time, some of them were even slaves. Owned and forced to work by their masters. So when Peter called them to live as free men, he wasn't calling them to enjoy freedom from political or economic or religious oppression. That was just an unrealistic dream for them. Instead, he was calling them to live out a different kind of freedom. Because if we've trusted in Jesus, then we have been redeemed through the precious blood of Christ. We have been set free through Jesus' death on the cross, from sin and death from condemnation and guilt, from uncertainty and from fear. And so even if we live in the chains of political, economic or religious oppression, or even if we live under the the burden of a difficult relationship, or health problems, or any other kind of struggle you can think of, we can live as free men and women. Because if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. But Peter, he was really keen for them not to abuse this freedom. He says, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. He didn't want them to take this new identity that they'd been given in Christ, To take the privileges that they had as God's chosen people. And he didn't want them to use it as an excuse just to do whatever they want. Just to follow their sinful desires. Just to live a selfish and self-centered life. That is not what God wanted them to do. Yes, through Christ they were set free from the demands of the law. Paul reads that, writes about that in Galatians. He says this, chapter 3. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. As God's chosen people, we don't need to live under the hundreds of rules and regulations that are detailed in the Mosaic Law. We don't need to worry about laws, about sacrifices, or about food laws, about unclean uh, clothing, or Sabbath days, or tithing, or the tabernacle, or any of those other laws. We don't need to live under those laws anymore. We are completely perfect in God's sight through the blood of Jesus. But that does not mean that we can live just any old way. That does not mean that we can just do whatever we want. Paul in Galatians, he says this, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. You are called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. God does not want to save us at such a high price. The price of His Son. Only to watch us to abuse that freedom. To pander to our selfish desires. God wants something far better for us. And so Peter called us to live as servants of God. He wanted us to seek to please God. To submit to His will. To work with all of our strength to build His kingdom. To be committed to serving Him in everything that we are and everything that we have and do. Now that might seem as a bit of a contradiction. To live as free men and women and to live as servants of God. How can they be both at the same time? Especially when we think that this word, translated here, servants, is the Greek word doulos, which actually means slave. Live as slaves of God. So surely it's impossible to live as a free person as well as a slave to God. And yet it's not. Actually, being a servant of God is the road to enjoying the freedom that we have in Christ. Serving God with everything that we are and have is the way that we can experience and enjoy that freedom that Christ won for us on the cross. If we abuse our freedom and get back into sinful living, then we'll find ourselves in slavery all over again. Because everyone who sins is a slave to sin. (coughs) But if we use that freedom to deny ourselves, to count ourselves dead to sin, to give ourselves completely to God as a servant, then we'll have the freedom to enjoy the fullness and the satisfaction that we were designed to live. This is how Jesus put it in Matthew chapter 16. He says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it whoever wants to just do their own thing, follow their own dreams, follow their own desires, they will end up losing life. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. Whoever loses his life for Jesus, whoever lays it all down at the feet of Jesus and says, Jesus, it's all yours. That's where we'll find freedom and joy and fullness, and fruitfulness, and satisfaction. And so our first responsibility in our freedom, and just the foundation of the rest of our lives, is what Peter says in verse 17, to fear God. To have a deep and respectful reverence for God, that's so deep that we submit to, to his leadership in every aspect of our lives. We accept him truly as Lord. And we daily lay down our lives as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing in his sight. That's our first responsibility and the first way that we can experience that freedom. But as we've seen before in this letter, Loving God and loving people go hand in hand, don't they? So Peter has told us here, in verse, verse 17 again, show proper respect to everyone. Our deep and respectful reverence for God should lead us also to show deep respect for everyone else. We should never treat people with contempt. Never insult them. Never disparage them. Never belittle them. Instead, we should always treat them as people who are valuable and precious. Why? Well, because in God's sight, they are valuable and precious. They are His image bearers. That's why they're so precious. When James, he was writing about the, the importance of controlling our tongue, controlling what we say. And this is what he said in James chapter 3, and verse 9 and 10. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. And with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. This should not It is completely incomparable for us to praise God at the same time as mocking or ridiculing those who have been made in God's image. If we love and fear God, then we will love and respect those who have been made to be like God. And truthfully, this is true for whoever the person is, and whatever they've done. We've not to respond to who the or what they are doing in their life we not to respond to what they say to us <coughs> not to respond to the kind of person they are. Instead we have to respond to the image of God that's in them, despite all that they've done. And so we're to respect and love everyone, even if they treat us badly. That's what it means to live as a servant of God. Remember Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44-45. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Love your enemies. That's what it means to follow in the footsteps of our Father. We're called to respect everyone out of our respect for God. But what does that look like? Well, it looks different depending on each different individual person and our relationship with them. And throughout this letter, Peter will take up different examples of different people and he will show how this principle applies in each of these different situations. So for example, he'll talk about it with regard to slaves and their masters. Or in chapter 3, wives and husbands. Or Christians and seekers. Or Christians and their attackers. Or later on in chapter 5, church leaders and their church. So he'll, he'll show this principle and how it applies in all of these different areas of our lives. But in this passage that we read this morning, Peter just focuses on two. One very briefly and the other in a bit more detail. The first one, only briefly addressed, was in verse 17. Love the brotherhood of believers. This is about our love for each other as followers of Jesus. And this is obviously at the the forefront of Peter's mind. Because he writes a lot about this in this letter. Remember in chapter 1, he said, Love one another deeply from the heart. In chapter 2 he says, love the brotherhood of believers, as we just read. Chapter 3, love as brothers. Chapter 4, above all, love each other deeply. Chapter 5, greet one another with a kiss of love. We need to express that love to each other. And as we've seen before, this is not an emotional attraction or affection or attachment to each other. This is about a much deeper commitment and a definite decision to seek the good of others. It's to do what is good for the other person. So Paul taught us in Ephesians chapter 5, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. As part of our submission to the Lord Jesus, in our lives we should be willing to set aside our desires and our plans to honour and to encourage each other. That's what we have to do. Think of ourselves less and think of other people more. And so Paul taught in Galatians chapter 5 verse 13, Do not use your freedom to indulge a in sinful nature. Rather serve one another in love. So as free men and women Rejoicing in the freedom we have in Christ. We are to serve God. And serve each other. Laying down our lives to bless. And to build each other up. And that needs to be a key characteristic of our church. Jesus said to Peter and the rest of the apostles in his upper room. By this will all men know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. This is a key aspect of our witness to this world. If we don't have this, then our witness is always going to be weak and ineffectual in this world. But Peter gives us a little bit more detail for the second example. And that's also an important aspect of our witness, but it's with a different group of people altogether. Not only are we supposed to love one another, but verse 13, we're also to submit ourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among them. Whether to the king as a supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him. Now, I don't think this would be Peter's first instinct. I know some people are just kind of by nature, a little bit more compliant than others. But Peter wasn't that kind of guy. He was, by nature, a man of action. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane when the the chief priest sent soldiers to arrest Jesus? Remember it was Peter who had his sword and drew it and cut off the ear of the high priest's servant. But Jesus stopped Peter in his tracks. This is what Jesus said to Peter that night. Put your sword back in its place. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think that I cannot call on my Father and He will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? With one word, Jesus could have called down a whole army of angels to defend Him. And nobody would have laid a hand on Him. But Jesus refused to use His power for His own protection. So He refused to allow His followers to use violence to further His cause. That's because Jesus is the king of a different kind of empire. Later Jesus said to Pilate when he was on trial, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. Jesus has a different kind of kingdom. And so his, his, his people, his followers fight a different kind of fight. But this was also because he knew that suffering had to come first and then there's glory. We are called to suffer first and then to enter Christ's glory. So so Jesus said to Peter, shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Jesus did not come to rebel against human authorities. He did not come to sort out all of the, the, the corrupt governments that were around. He did not seek to overthrow the Roman and the Jewish leadership. Instead, he came to submit to his father's will. <coughs> and to serve others by laying down his life for them. And so we as followers are called to follow in his footsteps. By submitting to our government. And the institutions of our nation. And there are a number of reasons for this. One of them is because God has a purpose in these institutions. Peter wrote that the governors were sent by the king to punish those who do wrong. And to commend those who do right. Now Peter was talking about the Roman Empire here. They didn't just punish the guilty. But they also punished the innocent. We'll see that in our next passage. But even a corrupt System had an important God-given role to play in restricting the evil of mankind. Restricting the selfishness and the self-centeredness so that it just wasn't anarchy in our societies. And this was a God-given role. This is what Paul says in Romans chapter 13 that that also talks about a similar kind of issue. He says about the Roman Roman authorities, he is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. He is God's servant. No, he's not serving God. He doesn't know he's serving God. He's not serving God by doing the right thing, but he's been placed there by God for a very important reason. God has established human authorities to hold back the full impact of our sinful nature. And so, rebelling against these human authorities is rebelling against God. This is what Paul writes in Romans chapter 13 again. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. So submitting to our government helps them to fulfill their God-given role. And so it's good for our society. It's good for our society for us to be law-abiding citizens. Even though we don't live in this world, we don't, we don't belong to this world, but we live in it, so we should seek its good. And again, this is an Old Testament idea that's, that Peter is using because when the Jews were in exile in Babylon, they'd been taken, wrenched from their homeland and taken into Babylon. Jeremiah gave them advice about how they should live there. And he said this, Seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray for the Lord, to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So we living in Ireland today, we should seek to be really good citizens of Ireland. We should live in this country and, pl- uh, and be a positive influence in this nation. We should seek its good. That's what we're called to as followers of Jesus. And so for the Lord's sake, and for our society's sake, we are to respect those who are in authority. Peter in verse 17 says, honor the king. Now the supreme authority in in Peter's day was the Roman emperor Emperor Nero. Nero was a tyrant. And he was abusive and and persecuting the Christians. He was a horrible guy. And a couple of years after Peter writing this letter, he would execute Peter because he's a follower of Jesus. Yet Peter still calls his readers to respect and honour this guy. Not because of what he was doing, not because of the kind of guy he was, but because of his position, his role in that society. So out of respect for God, we should respect those whom God has allowed to be in positions of authority in our nation. Whether they're politicians, local councillors, judges, guardee, school teachers, or whatever the role is that we're in. Whatever the kind of situation we're in. We should respect and honour them, even if we don't agree with what they're doing. This also means that we should obey the laws that they make. This is what Paul told told Titus. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities. To be obedient. To be ready to do whatever is good. Yes, we are no longer under the law. We have been set free by God's grace. But out of respect for God... We should obey the law of this land. Out of respect for God, we should keep even to the speed limits. We should pay our tax. We should be honest in, in, in filling up our tax tax forms and, and the revenue. We should always be seeking to obey the laws of this land. Even although we'll, we're ultimately citizens of heaven, we are called to be law-abiding citizens of Ireland. And Peter believed that this would impact those around them. He says in verse 15, For it is by God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Now Peter knew this wasn't going to stop all the persecution that Christians were experiencing. But he believed that if they lived honourable and honest lives, then people around would be able to see that they were not being rebels. Or revolutionaries in their society, and so that accusation would be would be stopped. So God wants us to honor those who are in authority, because it's going to be help our church to be a witness in this world. But finally, there's of course limits to disobedience. When threatened eh, by the Sanhedrin to stop telling anybody about Jesus, Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. Peter did not call for a rebellion or seek to undermine the authority of that council. They submitted to that institution as far as they could. But when the commands of men contradicted the commands of God, They put God's commands first. And our submission to our government must always be secondary to our submission to God. And that applies to every aspect of our lives, doesn't it? We should be go as far as we can as being a law abiding citizen in this country. We should go as far as we can to honour and respect and obey our parents. We should go as far as we can to honour and respect our, our boss, our manager at work. But if it comes to it, we must obey God rather than me. It's a crucial principle that we need to remember. So this is how we should use our amazing freedom in Christ. This is God's declaration or description of what freedom in Christ should look, look at look like. We have not been set free just so we can do what we want or we can avoid all responsibility. Instead, we've been set free so we can submit to our government, so we can love our church, so we can show respect to everybody. And lastly, and more than anything else, we can live as wholehearted and committed (coughs) servants of God.